number of, a couple years ago, I think it started, I began to be disturbed at people telling me who aren't even born again what Jesus preached. And they were, they were wrong. And they, they were trying to tell you what Jesus preached so that they could live in and practice their sin. And trying to, because God is love. But people have this thing about Jesus went about preaching that love everywhere and that everybody's acceptable and you're just good where you're at and God loves you just like you are. And that's really not the truth of the word of God. And so we've been looking at Jesus preaching to what I did it. Uh, I've been looking at this for a while, but I divided it into four things. We talked about the multitudes. So in the multitudes, people came to hear and be healed. Um, people were getting their eyes open, their deaf ears were open, uh, the lame were walking, the dead were being raised, food was being multiplied. So uh, multitudes began to come and hear Jesus. And in those multitudes were not only those people, but disciples and also the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes were always trying to get Jesus. And so that's the second group of people. And those people he always responded to. Um, he, he talked to them, like, remember he said to them, you're nothing but a bunch of, you know, uh, whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. He said, you're a bunch of clouds without any rain in you. He said, you're of your father, the devil. In other words, he had an adversarial relationship with them, and they were always trying to catch him in something to accuse him. And then you see him ministering to disciples, and that's not always just the 12 or the 70, but a lot of people followed him around. And then I love the ones that are individual one-on-one. How many know the Lord wants to individually speak to you and talk to you and help you? And so today we got a combo. Last week we looked at some of the things the Pharisees and uh, the Sadducees were doing. But today we have a combo of that. And I, wanna, and I can't cover everything, so I'm just trying to get what the Holy Ghost is saying. And so today the word that I got was authority. And so we're going to look at authority. But I want to start in a place that I don't normally start. But I want you to know that the religious people had some things to say. The Pharisees, the Sadducees had some things to say about Jesus and his authority. So let's look at Mark 11. And we're going to look at Mark 11, 27 through 33 out of the King James. And it says, and they come again to Jerusalem, talking about Jesus and the disciples. And as he was walking in the temple... So he's going into the temple. There comes to him the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. So here comes a bunch of religious folk all at once. And they're coming for no good. Verse 28. It says, and they said unto him, by what authority do you do these things? Now let me stop there. What things? What things are they talking about? Well, the signs, the wonders, the miracles. But let me tell you what has just happened before. Anybody ever heard uh, me preach on or anybody preach on the fig tree? Remember Jesus? You remember? So, so here in, Matthew, in Mark and Matthew, it's not in Luke's account, but in Matthew and Mark's account, the, the cursing of the fig tree, Jesus' teaching on faith runs into this. And so do you remember Jesus walked up to a fig tree? Y'all remember? There were leaves on it. And he walked up that he might find something to eat. How many of you know the creator understands there ought to be figs on there? And so if you, you got to understand the different translations, but that's really what's happening. Jesus wouldn't walk up to something expecting to receive something if he knew it was impossible. So because leaves were on there, he's expecting to eat some figs. And the tree talked to him and said, no fruit for you. And Jesus said, Jesus did what? He answered back and said, no man hereafter forever will eat fruit from you. And then, so Jesus cursed it, and he kept on walking. 
All right, so that, so that happened, and now the scribes, the, the, the chief priests, and everybody's coming, so they've heard something. They said in him, by what authority do you do these things? So I think part of doing these things is the cursing of the fig tree. And the subsequent teaching on, talk to your mountains. Okay, that's the setting. And it says, and who gave you this authority? Who are you? That you think you can do it. They didn't question that it happened. They didn't question the signs, wonders, and miracles. They didn't question the healings. They said, by what authority are you doing this? Who's behind you? Who are you? Then verse 29. And Jesus answered and said to them, all right, let's talk. I'm going to ask you a question. And answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Verse 30. The baptism of John. Is it from heaven or of men? Answer me. Because that's what they're always doing to him. Answer me. So he turned to, he just asked them a question. He said, answer me. Verse 31. I like him. He's sassy. And they reasoned. Uh-oh. They did what? Let me talk to you about reasoning. Where does reasoning take place? In your mind. Now listen to me. Things of the spirit are of the heart, right? Right? The devil works in the arena of reason. So religion can only reason. And religion, so right now, they, they have the opportunity. These Pharisees, these Sadducees, the elders, uh, the scribes, they have an opportunity to come under Jesus' authority, but instead they're questioning it. What right do you have to do that? What right do you have to say that? By whose authority are you doing this? And so he turned it on and said, I'm going to ask you a question. John's baptism, what was it from heaven? And they began to reason in themselves. Listen to me. Anytime you get in your brain about something, you're going to mess up what God's trying to do in your life. Well, Pastor Mark, am I supposed to throw away my mind? No, you're supposed to renew it. But anytime your reasoning, uh, you know, your reasoning could oppose, you know, around here. I know people think we talk too much about money, but I, I hope you don't have a problem with it because if you think we talk too much about it, you, you're the one with the problem. Really, that's the way it is. That's too bad. All right. I'm not going to take it back. I already said it. Just stick with it. Figure it out. If you have a problem listening, uh, when, when we talk about money and tithing and stuff, it's because it's won the victory over you. Money has become your God. Whatever. You all right? <laughs> they reasoned. See, tithing, don't, I used to reason. I'm an accountant by trade. Right? I, I have an accounting degree. I was really good at it. And when I started hearing this tithy thing. I don't know why we're talking about this this morning. Uh, I, when I started hearing about this tizzy thing, I was like, no way. I can't live on 100%. You want me to give you 10% and I can't even live on 100%? I didn't do it. I didn't. Then I kept hearing and hearing. And what happened? My faith rose. And then I was like, well, Jesus, you did everything for me. And you've always told me the truth. Yes. Amen. Amen. Mic change, mic change. We're changing packs. We're changing everything.
Have a great day. Thanks. <laughs> they reasoned. They reasoned. Anytime you find yourself reasoning, you're going to reason yourself out of the promises of God. They began to reason. And this is what they said. If we say this is from heaven, then they'll say, why didn't you believe? And why didn't you do? And why didn't you come under? But verse 32 says, but if we say of men, then they were afraid of the people. Because the people all counted John a prophet. So they began to reason. So I like this. This is what they came to. And this is what religion will do to you. Verse 33. And they answered and said unto Jesus, I don't know. And Jesus said unto them, I'm not going to tell you. You can't answer me. I ain't answering you. Uh, I'm not going to tell you about what authority I do these things. So listen, here's the Pharisees, Sadducees, the elders. The scribes, they're questioning his authority. Do you, where did you get this authority? What makes you think you can curse trees and let them die and then tell, have the nerve to tell these regular people they can do the same thing? Who do you think you are? Listen to me. Hear religion. Hear religion. Religion tells you you can't. Religion says this is not available for you. Religion tells you to sit down and shut up. Religion uh, is restricting. But Jesus has come to make you free. Now listen to me. What else did they do? They questioned some other things. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter 9. Here we have a man being healed of, of the palsy. So Matthew 9, 68, New Living. We're going to look at it. It says, I will prove to, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority. Everybody say Authority on the earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, uh, pick up your mat and go home. Verse seven. And the man jumped up and went home. Verse eight. For fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen and they praised God for giving humans such authority. Jesus was a man anointed of the Holy Ghost. So they didn't necessarily mind uh, be healed, pick up your mat and go home. But instead he said this time, your sins are forgiven, pick up your mat and go home. And it caused such an outrage. Who do you think you are that you have the right to forgive someone of their sins? But you remember this, Jesus said, uh, he said, I don't do anything on my own authority. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. So he is under the authority of the father and father God had given him the right not only to heal people, but I guess to forgive sins. And it really was really messing with the religion of that day. They didn't like this power. They didn't like this authority. And then I like this one. Um, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. Let's look at that. And it came to pass when Jesus entered these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Verse 29, for he taught them as one having authority, not like the scribes. No wonder the scribes were mad all the time. No wonder the Pharisees and the Sadducees were mad. They couldn't get anyone to come to the synagogue anymore. Everybody's following Jesus. The multitudes are following him. The people are following him. Some of the Pharisees and Sadducees are believing on him. He's this unlearned in their mind, an ignorant man. He's not been trained. Jesus in their mind should have submitted to them. 
But he's saying because of who he is, they were needed to submit under him and they would not give up their place because they love to be seen because religion wants to do it on its own. How dare you come in here and mess everything up that we've built? But Jesus came to mess it up, man. He came to, he hates religion. We don't want any religion in our life. We don't want any traditions of men. It makes the word of God of none effect. And listen to me. I'll give you a little preview of where I'm going. It's the same today. Religion will tell you to sit down and shut up. Religion will tell you that you never know what God's going to do. Religion will tell you that, uh, that, no, I know it says that, that all the promises are of, of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, but that doesn't pertain to you. No, that's not for you. Religion is reasoning, and religion today still reasons away the Word of God. It still reasons away the power of God. It reasons away relationship. It reasons away the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It reasons away healing. That's what religion does. So you and I have to be very careful that we're not like them and we get into reasoning. I didn't say you can't use your brain. God gave you one, but renew it. But anytime your brain crosses the word and the will of God, you got to go with him and you can't reason. I mean, is it reasonable for, um, for Jesus to tell a fisherman to go get a line and a pole and go down and, and get a hook? He didn't say he put any bait on it and cast a hook into some water. And the first fish you pull up will have a coin in its mouth and you go pay our taxes. That's not reasonable. Is it reasonable to, to turn water into wine without any, not even one grape? That's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. <laughs> it's not reasonable in the old covenant for a prophet to tell a woman, go get some, uh, you know, some, some bottles and if you got some oil and shut the door and pour it and they'll all be filled. That's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. And that's the thing of the, mm, and that's the day the Kobota in Amahaisi. And don't slip into their same patterns of thinking and reason, for it will keep you out. It'll keep you out. It'll keep you out. I'm glad second service, y'all ready. Hallelujah. I like it. Hallelujah. What authority does he have to forgive sins? Well, he showed him. And the scribes and the Pharisees were just mad because Jesus, he studied on his own. He didn't go to one of their schools like everybody else. He didn't do it their way. But he did, he had a hammer, he was a carpenter, he had a hammer in one hand and I don't study it in the other. But they didn't do it their way. And religion demands you do it its way. Yet it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It takes God out of the equation and his power out of the equation and tries to do it in its own strength. The people even noticed. Listen, today you ought to notice when someone's teaching from their heart because the anointing is there and when someone is teaching from their mind. When someone's using reason on you and even poking some scripture in there with their reason to get you riled up, to get you a certain way. Listen, 
you know the difference. They could tell the difference when Jesus was up preaching. The anointing was on him. And when scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees were reasoning with their traditions. It should be very noticeable to you. So let's look at the opposite. There was a a centurion man. Y'all remember him? And it's so interesting to me. Jesus was sent to the children of Israel, but he really liked people who weren't in covenant who would believe him. It did something for him. And so let's look at this in Luke chapter 7. There's Matthew's account, and then this is Luke's account. Um, Luke chapter 7, uh, Matthew's account shows the, the centurion talking to Jesus, and Luke's account doesn't. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. I believe this is what's happened. It would be like if... if um, I wanted to go to lunch with you, and I sent uh, Pastor Robert and Pastor JC to you and said, uh, Pastor Mark wants to take you to um, Texas Roadhouse for a steak. And then, and then they came back and said they, they did it. And then you told your wife, Pastor Mark invited me to go to Texas Roadhouse. It's the same, same. This is what happened. So in case you've never studied that, but, but this is what's going. This man in Luke's gospel, the centurion got a hold of something. And it's the thing that religion opposed. But let's see how he got his answer by believing what religion opposed. And I'm telling you, religions at work today, I've been doing this a long time, 30 years. Didn't I look young? Uh, And that was one of my uh, first years recording of of me ministering on that tape or something like that. It was early. But, But listen, Religion will always try to keep you out. Religion will always try to keep you out. And I've noticed this over the years, that religion's still trying to do it. And really, especially when people start hearing the word like you, there's always somebody in the family, there's always a friend that tries to get in there and pull them back into religion. That's a spirit. The devil don't want you free. He definitely don't want you using your authority. Authority has always been this thing because it's from an unseen realm. The Pharisees and Sadducees didn't like it. Religion doesn't like it today. I've heard it before. Who do you think you are? Well, I can tell you who I am. I can tell you who I'm not, but I can also tell you who I am. Hallelujah. When did y'all get here? I'm look at you. Come here just a second. Yep. You trust me? Yeah. <laughs> I woke up. Well, now that I did it, you know, it's like, I can't say, no, I don't trust you. Can I get Usher behind him? I woke up today. I can't even remember your first name. Brandon. Brandon. You just came up in front of me. Don't give up. You heard him. Don't give up. You heard him. You're doing exactly what he said do. Give me your hands. These are the hands of a very wealthy man. I'm telling you, you heard. Hold fast. Hold fast. He woke me up thinking about you today. That's the anointing. That's the grace on your life. Don't question it anymore. Get out of here. Get back into here. Does that mean something to you? Yes, sir. All righty.
I like second service. Hallelujah. Where were we? What was that? I woke up. I even asked JC, I'm like, I described him. I'm like, this man, this man. He's like, no, I don't see him here. And the Lord kept saying to me, he's going to be here. I'm like, no, you're not here. He said, I told you he's going to be here. And then there you are. Hallelujah. It's like the Lord knows stuff. It's good. Good thing it came on. Hallelujah. So, well, why won't the Lord do that for me? Well, just grab a hold of it too. Why won't the Lord do that? Just grab a hold of it too. Well, he told you your, the profuse favor is on your life. What more do you want? Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> it just sometimes seems impossible. And you think you heard from God and it doesn't go well. Well, listen, I, got, I don't got time. I got, I got it. But I can tell you, when I moved here 30 years ago, I thought, and everybody around me thought I have messed up in the biggest way possible. I had a great ministry traveling. I lived at home. My mom was cooking and cleaning and doing the laundry. I paid no rent. I worked Monday through Thursday at a church office. I traveled on the weekends in Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Kentucky. I was living the dream. I was living the dream. And then I heard from the Lord and I moved down here. And I'm expecting that you would all be there on the first service and none of you came. And then you stayed away by the thousands for years. You don't go by what it looks like. You know the voice of God. And if you do it, just like Jesus, he cursed that fig tree and he just walked away. It was Peter that said, looky, looky, Lord. Hallelujah. The centurion. Let's get back to him. <laughs> now we did all these saying the audience of the people. He entered to Capernaum. Certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. When he heard of Jesus, so he'd heard. Faith comes by. He'd heard something. He sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Verse 4. And when he came to Jesus, he besought him instantly, saying uh, he, that he's worthy. So now they're coming, saying, you've got to come do this because this man's built us a synagogue. Uh, he's worthy because, verse 5, because he loves our nation, he's built us a synagogue. So they're saying, Jesus, come because he's a good guy. He's, get, you know, he's built a synagogue. But I don't think that's why Jesus came. Verse 6. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house. So I imagine the man's in the house, and he sends out more friends. And the, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy. Let's stop there. This is not false humility right here. This is, a, well, we're not, we are worthy. This man was not in the covenant. He was not worthy. Because this man was a centurion, and in that time, this centurion should be large and in charge. And Jesus, a Jewish man, ought to submit to him, ought to be afraid of him, ought to kind of bow down to him. But it was now this man knew who Jesus was. He knew something about him. And that's why he said, um, I, 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 I know I'm not, you're not sent to me, and, I, and you're not, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. But this is what I know. I'm not worthy to come under my roof, verse 7. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you. But all I need, Jesus, is one word. And my servant will be healed. 
I just need one word. I, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the Syrophoenician woman. I just need a crumb. I, I don't know if he heard her story, she heard his story. I don't know where this came from. All I need is one word. But here's his revelation. Remember why I'm bringing this up. The religious people despised Jesus' authority. Questioned it. That's what religion does. And they do it today. They question, they despise our, our understanding of authority. Who do you think you are? You think you can talk to things and they'll obey you? You're part of that name it and claim it and blab it and grab it bunch? I, I fear for people like that. I fear for people like that. Despising the written word of God. I didn't say it. No preacher said it. Jesus said it. Amen. And that's where all this authority came from. Let's back up. Because we, we got a whole different service here second than first. Which is good. I like it. Listen to me. Jesus walked by a fig tree. No man. What did he do? He, the fig tree was talking to him. He answered it. You should never go through life and let the devil ever have the last word. You better answer it. You better answer it. I said, you better answer it. He answered it. The fig tree was talking to him. No fruit for you. So he answered it. I got a better story. No one will leave fruit from you hereafter forever. The next day, Peter comes by and he's astonished. He's like, look here, Lord, that tree, that tree. And what did Jesus do? He took the opportunity to teach the disciples. He said, have the God kind of faith. So what Jesus did, he took it out of the realm of religion and even took it from just him, the son of God, and put it in humanities. He, he gave it to you and me. You can do this. No, religion hates that. You can do this. Because religion says it's all up to God. But listen to me, you can't leave up to God what he left up to you. And he said this, he said, um, he, 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 so Peter's all excited. He said, have the God kind of faith. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And whosoever shall say, what is that? That's authority. Whoever say in this mountain, be thou removed and cast the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says. He says, you got to say what God says, but you got to say it. What he says shall not doubt his heart, but believe those things that he says, it shall come to pass. Everybody say, ooh, hallelujah. Come on, that's authority. That's the power of God. Come on, that's authority. That's the power of God. And Jesus was taking it out of, uh, it's not something you can't do. Remember, you, you ever seen those um, like videos or whatever? And they'll say, don't do this at home. This is a professional, don't do this at home. That's what religion says. This is way above you. Don't try this. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, not only try this, he said, do this. He said, do it. And this man believed in it. Let's, let's keep looking at this man. I like him. Do you like this authority, this guy? He said, but say in a word, my servant shall be healed. Verse eight. Then he went to say what he believed about. He said, I'm a man set under. Everybody say under. Because that's what they're questioning Jesus. Who gave you this authority? Who are you to forgive sins? 
Who are you to curse fig trees and then tell these normal people who aren't Pharisees and Sadducees that they can do things of God? They questioned him. But this man got a hold of it and he said, um, I'm a man set under. Everybody say under. I have soldiers under me. In other words, so he's, he's under somebody, but he's got somebody under him. He said, I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 9. And Jesus heard these things, and he marveled at him. And he turned about, and he said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Verse 10. And they that were sick returned to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Listen to me. One group is questioning his authority. One man believes in it. And the man that believed in it got results. Do you believe in it? When Jesus was on the earth, he didn't stop there. When Jesus, before he went to the cross, he began to delegate. See, Jesus operated in delegated authority. His authority came from the Father. Who gave you this authority? That's what they wanted to know. Well, it came from my Father. Jesus said, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father. So he's been delegated authority. He didn't do it independently on his own, and neither can you. You can't do it on your own. I'm not talking about doing it on your own. I'm not talking about doing it in your own power. Not by your power, not by your might, but by the Spirit of God. And so then Jesus, because he had some work to do while he was on the earth, he started delegating. And so in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 1, you see him delegating authority to the 12. He called the 12 together, 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all devils. How many devils? And to cure how much? All the diseases. He gave them power and authority. And so the 12 went out in his name. The 12 went out in his name. And they begin to speak his name and things begin to happen. Then he did it with the 70. Let's look at Luke 10.1. Luke 10.1 says, And these things the Lord appointed over 70 also. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where the Esau would come. Verse 19. It says, behold, I give you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over the power of all the power of the enemy and nothing and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus, when he was on the earth, power and authority was dealt. It's like uh, in New York City, I understand that if you have a lease on apartment that you can sublet it. And so Jesus has been given authority by God. And so he gave that to the 12. He gave that to 70. He said, you go in my name. You go in my name. You go in my, this is before death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. How much more should you and I have today if they walked in that kind of authority? Because remember what happened to the 70. They came back and they were like, ooh, 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 the demons. You know, they're subject to us through your name. Isn't that cool? And Jesus said, ah, that's just normal Christian living. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What you ought to rejoice over is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen to me. The devil will fight you on this subject just about as much as anything. He does not want you to understand that you have authority in the name of Jesus. And it's been delegated not just to the 12, not just to the 70, but it's been delegated to every one of you. What are you going to do with it? 
Are you going to let them, the religious, those, the people that don't understand what you and I are, you're going to let them talk you out of it? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake to Sam, all power, Ooh, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Because that's what that word power means. Go, therefore, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go. All power is given to you. What was that? That was a transfer. That's like the relay race. He has the baton. He just handed it to you. Again, you have to do what you're supposed to do. Don't try to leave up to God what God does because it's by grace through faith that you're saved. God gave you the grace, but you still got to access it by faith. You didn't get saved until you received it. And you, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross again for you. It's available. It's done. This is kind of the same thing. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things wherever I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always until the end of the world. Everybody say amen. amen. That's what's going on. So what is it? So let's visit back. This authority. How do you exercise yours? Jesus cursed the fig tree. He believed it and he just walked on. He answered it. Listen, I'm not trying to make you mad today and understand what I'm about to say. We all have problems. We all have issues. We've all, if you've walked through life, you get dinged. But one of the things I'm most concerned about right now, and let me just preface this by saying, I counsel people. I believe in counseling. But so much people just want to, they want to reverence their mountain. They want to talk about their mountain. They want to have groups around their mountain. They want to memorialize their mountains. What's a mountain? Problems. What you've been through. Don't get in a group to memorialize your mountain. To talk about your mountain. To thank God for your mountain. What are you supposed to do to your mountain? Listen, even if you go to a good counselor and they get you to some roots... You're still going to have to do Mark 11, 24. Even if you discover a root, you're still going to have to talk to it. You cannot avoid the way Jesus, the way the word of God set this up. Whosoever shall say unto this problem, this obstacle, this annoyance. You got to say something. You got to say what the word says. You got to answer it. Quit. We, you and I, I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me. We can't, we can't think about our mountains all the time. We can't reverence our mountains. We can't. And I'm not opposed to groups, uh, you know, but, but be very careful that in that group that they're not adding uh, other mountains to your mountain. And, re- and that's important to keep saying, reverencing your mountain. That's like reverencing what the devil did in your life. You got to talk to it. You gotta talk, get around people, I'll help you talk to it. You say something like, Well, you know, I'm having a bad day. They'll say, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, jump up and down with me. You say, Well, that old devil, that old devil's under your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't even let him finish that nonsense. You gotta talk to the mountain. Talk to the mountain. So you going to talk about it? Or you can talk to it? 
If you talk about it, it stays and gets stronger. You talk to it. Yeah, but I've talked to it and don't move. Jesus didn't stop and see if it moved. He didn't check the twigs. He didn't check the leaves and see if they was turning. He, he didn't look back to say, are the leaves falling off? He just walked on because he knew it was done. <clears throat> How many of us have ever spoken something? I mean, we get inspired. We say something by faith and the next day nothing's changed. And we go, we go back and, and you killed it at the root. But then the next day you put some jumper cables on and revived it. Well, I thought it worked. I, I thought I was in faith, but maybe not. What'd you just do? You just put those things, you know, in the, and oh, it's, the mountain is back. The mountain is back. Everybody say, talk to it. That's your authority. Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth. Remember when Jesus prayed, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in. Now we can get almost every Christian to believe that, how I many know there's no crying in heaven. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. But you're supposed to be having heaven on earth. I said, you're supposed to be having heaven on earth. Jesus prayed. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's up to you and it's up to me whether we do that. And when, well, this is what happens. So when a problem comes your way, a lot of people pray this way. Lord, here's this problem. Take care of it. But again, you're asking God to answer a prayer that he can't. What? Yeah, he's already taken care of it. He's seated. He wants you to bind it. He wants you to disallow it. That don't happen in heaven, so I'm not going to let it happen in my life. What do you got? I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. I bind that. I command it to cease and desist, and I command it to go in Jesus' name. And he said, whatever you bind in heaven is already, whatever you bind on earth, it, but where are you on earth? Are you here? Then what do you got to do? Well, I want the Lord to take care of it. He already took care of it. Now you need to take care of it. Well, I, I, no, God's going to do what God, yes, God's going to do what he's supposed to do. What is that? He already defeated it. He already destroyed the works of the devil. He's seated. And he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now you go. And part of you going is you got to bind it. And then what is that? So when the devil comes, and then what else you got to do? Well, I got to loose things. What does that mean? Whatever's going on in heaven, I lose peace in my life. I lose prosperity in my life. I lose health in my life. I speak the word of God and it looses what God has, what he's already accomplished, what he's already done. Man, I, I really, I don't want to get on, but I've heard so many people say, you people, meaning people of the word, you think that you say something and you're like ordering God around. It is not ordering God around. You can't order God around. Well, you know, they say, well, you're just trying to pry things out of God and, and give you things you don't you even know what his will is. But I wouldn't ask him anything if I didn't know what his will was. Because I can't have any confidence in anything outside his will. And his hand is open. I'm not trying to pry anything out. It's there. I just got to take it. I just got to take it. That is authority. I got to take what's already mine. Now, see, if this messes with you, then you've been religiously taught instead of Bible taught. I was religiously taught. I was religiously brought up. And so a lot of this stuff, you know, it's like, huh, 
Well, it's not only there, it's there, it's there, it's there. This, this is the word. It must be true. So I'm going to have to change the way I think. I'm going to have to change the way I talk. I'm going to have to change what I believe. We have been given a name that is above every name. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, I verily I said, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. What is that? Delegated authority. Just as though Jesus was there. In my name. What are you going to do? Cast out devils. Well, that's the same thing the 12 and the 70 did. Now listen, you've got to, you don't got to look for one. And if you ever find one, don't talk to it. Just tell it to shut up and come out. But anything the devil does, you have authority over. They shall speak with new tongues. Oh, really? Yep. Verse 19. So then the Lord has spoken to them. He was received to heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they was said, and go forth. They went forth everywhere and preached the word, and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. My point to you is, you and I have this authority. But it's the same religious spirit that would try to keep you and I from acting. It's nothing new. Jesus dealt with it. But let's be like that centurion. What did he do? He recognized he's under. I'm under your authority. I submit myself to God. I resist the devil. 